to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jay. And we have a news-filled, packed episode for you guys today. News-filled and packed? News-filled. packed full. Packed full of news. And we got a little Buster Conrad in here. Conrad, Chris. Conrad. And I've been kind of <laughs> waiting to talk about this Tesla Cybertruck. Cybertruck. And it seems like we're kind of late to the game talking about it, but... I think everybody kind of rushed in, right? right? Everybody just immediately made a judgment and then made all the memes, which are absolutely hilarious. The thing <laughs> totally looks like a garbage can with a flip lid. And then they quit and they just kind of moved on to other things and they kind of quit talking about it. And nobody really took the time to sit down and talk about it. Okay. What's up with the truck? What is it? What does it mean? Because there's some really heavy things that this truck represents and stands for. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I think it's important to get into beyond face value, beyond the meme. That's okay. what we should title this episode is beyond the meme, beyond the meme. Yeah. Beyond the meme. All uh, right. Is that insinuating that we're a meme? <laughs> no, it's insinuating everyone else is more better than that. <laughs> All right. So why don't we talk a little bit about Omaze before we get into the yeah. cyber track. So Omaze is a fundraising platform that offers once-in-a-lifetime experiences and, of course, dream-worthy cars. So far, they've actually raised over $130 million for charities around the world. And right now, Omaze is giving away a fully restored 1968 Bullet Mustang. This is a 600-horsepower Mustang that was built by Richard Rawlings and the Gas Monkey Garage as a tribute to the iconic movie car that Steve McQueen drove I have drove a question. How much horsepower Bullet. do you need to do a wheelie? I think that depends on the vehicle. Okay, let's say it's a Mustang with 600 horsepower. Can I do a wheelie? I think you need more traction than anything. Well, that, that can point. be easily changed. We can put some decent tires on the thing. So the, the new Dodge Demon does a wheelie. Yes, but that's got like 100 horsepower. Is it an easy wheelie? I don't know. Well, that's the problem. We're going to have to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, I really do like this bullet Mustang that Omaze is doing. So it's got the original 390 big block engine, a four speed manual, and of course, those classic torque thrust wheels and the green paint. And Omaze even thinks and covers of everything. They cover the shipping and taxes. So if you were to win this thing, you wouldn't spend a dime. The best part is that every donation made goes to support the Gas Monkey Garage Foundation, which supports causes like empowering veterans and supporting Alzheimer's research. So head so over. So it's not like buying a car or winning a car in a family feud or on, uh, right. the price no, is right. This is where something where like you can donate, and this is an added bonus that you are entered to win. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. So how do you do that? You go over to omaze.com slash overcrest to check it out. And with a donation of $10, you're entered to win. That's omaze.com slash overcrest. And if you use the code overcrest50, you'll get 50 bonus entries. Great. All right. So I want to talk about the Cybertruck. Now, I typed up a bunch of crap about the Cybertruck, and I'll probably yes. go off script here quite a bit. But... First, before we get into kind of what it means and what it stands for and all the all the you know ethereal BS that we can talk about, I want to talk about the truck itself. Okay. So what makes a truck a truck, do you think? What is the definition of truck? I'm already off script. <laughs> yes, you are. I noticed that. So, oh, geez. Because pickup is easy. A definition of a pickup is you have to have the separate pickup bed on the truck. A pickup is a subcategory of the truck. Mm category no a pickup just is like a nickname for something because you can pick things up in it no a pickup has a bed okay well this has a bed yeah this is a pickup is it 
Yes. Is a mon- is a uh, El Camino a pickup? Yes. Okay, so we're using pickup as the broad sense of if you can throw something in the back of it, it's a pickup. Yeah. Is my wagon a pickup? No. Okay, it has to be open. Correct. Okay, so this thing only has a six and a half foot bed. Right. Which is more than my Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, they're saying that. Um, so what's the what's your Hummer's got? I think five foot. Five foot. Okay, so it's but it's technically not that useful. For me, a truck needs to be able to fit a full piece of plywood in sure. the back. That, for me, if it's less than that, it's a pleasure truck. It's not a truck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this place called Pleasureland up on, uh, you drive by it on yes! the freeway all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like RVs Pleasureland. and stuff. I always used to, I'm like, that is the biggest adult store I've ever seen. <laughs> Why are there so many people parked there <laughs> in their RV? What is going yeah, on in this there place? There you go. Pleasureland. So pleasure okay. truck. So that's within the realm of a crew crab or, you know, some of the pickup trucks that are out there with a shorter bed. Okay. But that's the only truck relevant statistic, <laughs> technically, because um, the rest of it is hmm. not really truck ass. I mean, it's got some decent towing, which we'll get into. Um, they're, uh, decent towing? What? Decent towing? Decent towing. Isn't it like the highest towing number of any vehicle ever it's, except for a big rig? It's basically rivaling a heavy duty truck. It's right up there okay. with heavy duty trucks. Um, so... Here's the thing is this thing still is not pickup truck. You you define pickup truck as being able to just put something in the back. Yeah. But I think there's more. There's pickup trucks. When I think of a pickup truck, I think of, okay, I'm going to go do something. Sure. I'm going to go. I'm going to build something. I'm going to sure. go to Home Depot. I'm going to throw my chainsaw on the back. Yeah. Nobody that buys this vehicle is going to be doing that. No. But could you? You could. Yeah. Theoretically, but they're not going to. Which makes me think that so there's nothing about this truck the way that they marketed it no. the way that they, um, they this is not a mainstream truck right this is a marketing exercise so my first gut reaction when I saw this thing is no way is this thing going to be able to compete with it's not a truck in in the traditional sense of competing with Ford no. GM uh, or whatever because when Rivian comes out with their truck it's going to completely dis- it'll be more mainstream it'll be more mainstream but. Here's what I really, really wanted is I wanted Tesla to do something that would upset the apple cart in the truck market. Okay. That's what I wanted to happen. And I think that's what this just, truck is upsetting. It is upsetting because <laughs> it is ugly. Okay. It is very, very ugly. Yeah. But I, we all know that. That's not even worth talking about anymore. Everybody knows it's ugly. That's fine. Um, but I really wanted them to upset the apple cart with the with the hugely profitable truck truck market. You know, the F-150 is a huge moneymaker. Yes. And I wanted them to come out and come out with a truck and push the envelope in that realm. Okay. And when they didn't, it was a little bit disappointing to me. Anyway, so there's going to be three different motors. There's going to be a single motor, dual motor, and tri-motor. So dual motor makes sense, one on each axle, front yep. and rear. Where's the tri-motor? Where's that third one? I couldn't f- I actually looked for that. It was the same question I had. I couldn't find any information. I'm guessing it's two on the rear, one on the front. That would That's be my kind assumption of my as well. Guess. So the tri-motor is zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds and will run a 10.8 second Jeez. quarter mile. <laughs> <laughs> That's really quick. That's. I mean, I was going to get into this later in terms of really quick. I don't think it really is going to phase people anymore. I think in a few years, the zero to 60 times on consumer vehicles that are less than $80,000. Yeah. No, it's not going to be something that people really care about because everything is going to be fast. No We're one is talk about it later. Stoplight drag racing anymore. The Mach E is ridiculously fast, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. be pulling up in my 911, which is a classic sports car, and there's going to be like 50 year old Shaniqua in a Mach E, and she's going to smoke me. 
right? And she's got a car full of kids and a bunch of grocery bags and yeah. everything else. And it, I won't, I won't stand a chance. Right. And I think that that mentality where everything is fast is going to kind of make that less relevant. Okay. Right now, it's cool. It's a novelty. Oh my god, it's really fast. But after time goes on, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Okay. Uh, oh, and I think you're going to start seeing that's going to be a big selling point though is the different amount of motors. Okay. And I don't think we've talked about that much because the Rivian is a quad motor. So it's all wheel drive with one motor on each wheel. That's and it cool. does that weird four wheel turning thing yeah, that it does. Steer. So you're going to have single, tri, quad. So I think those are going to be three things that you're going to start seeing a lot. That in. makes sense. Um, so towing on this thing, 7,500 pounds with the single motor, which is pretty damn good. I yeah. think that's like a Chevy Tahoe or a Suburban is around 8,000 pounds. Okay. I know that a Touareg, uh, a gas Touareg is around 8,000 pounds, and I think that the TDI Touareg is around 12 or something, like okay. 10 or 12. The uh, the tri-motor is going to be a 14,000 pound towing wow. capacity. But here's the thing. Has that been tested? <laughs> and what does that do to your range? Okay, so here's what I look at. Yeah, the range, that's a big deal. We're going to get into that. When I look at towing, it's not mm -hmm. just a factor of the power that you have. This oh, is no. The, this is, is the same chassis. Is the chassis yes. capable of pulling 14,000 pounds reliably for more than five minutes? Yes. Right. 100%. I mean, it's going to be what it's all about. You can tow a lot with not much power. You can. It's just actually handling that. It's the transmission. It's, well, there is no transmission in these, so I guess no. there's that, but it's the brakes. No, it's the road handling, too. Have you ever tried to tow something a little bit above your car's exceeded weight yes yeah, so i've also towed trailers that i didn't set up properly too which is right. also a very scary proposition yes yeah so um one other thing on this is this isn't a body on frame truck right so this is a unibody and i want you to think about another truck <laughs> that looks if you think about it is yep. another unibody truck that has the same kind of c-pillar sweatback design used to have the same used design. to Used to. It's not this. It's not the same truck anymore. But used to have a similar design. Yeah, it's it is the Honda Ridge. Honda Ridge line, and also the uh, the Avalanche, I believe, also has uh, the Chevy Avalanche. Kind of has that. That was that was not a unibody truck, though. That's true. It was a suburban esque based thing. But the, right. one of the reasons why the Honda Ridge line had that C pillar that kind of swept back. Sure. Is I looked into this. It's for strength. So part of that shape hmm. is for strength, for towing and hauling with a unibody design. Right. There's so no frame rails underneath to keep it all together. Correct. So you need the whole body to be the chassis. Right. So this thing's going to have a 250 to 500 mile range at best. But again, That's what not... happens when you're towing 14,000 pounds? So I was thinking maybe, did you see the trailer that they had in there? Yes. What if they put extra batteries in the trailer where it's I like this hookup? I really like that concept, but I don't even know if they're going to sell that trailer or if that was just part of their mock-up. Everything is part of a mock-up with Tesla. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a Tesla Roadster. We don't have <laughs> we don't have solar tiles. We don't. We barely have the, the right. batteries that you can keep in your house. That's barely happening. The power wall or whatever. The power it's called. wall. Yeah, I looked into that because I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, anyway, so this thing has a maximum. This is going to be. You're going to have to explain to me if this is good because I don't know if this is good. Okay. 16 inches of ground clearance and a 35 degree approach angle and a 28 degree departure angle. That's okay. So that I mean, the truck has a lot of overhang to it. My Hummer is one of the best on the market still, as far as pickup trucks. <laughs> God, you love approach that thing. This and departure is Jake's angle. Hummer podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I also have. I forget the, what the measurement is called, but basically, I can come up to think of a curb that's thirty inches tall, mm -hmm. and I can just go right over it okay. because the bumper doesn't hit. So if that makes sense. Um, Tesla or Elon Musk says uh, you could basically run the Baja One Thousand in the Cybertruck. 
That's what. No, you couldn't. The range doesn't go that far. <laughs> exactly. It's in the name of the race, Elon. <laughs> One thousand. One thousand at speed. Yes. So there's even if you did perfect conditions on a flat road, which it is not. Right. You can't go a thousand miles. You can't go a thousand miles. They'd have to put superchargers in the desert. So it's got a stainless steel <laughs> body with windows that are not bulletproof. We're turns not, out we're not even going to talk about that. Turns out. Knows. Yeah. They're not. Can um, I just say? Okay. I, we don't have to go in depth. Okay. Why wouldn't you test that? They did. Why wouldn't you test that? The exact truck, the exact ball, right before you're going to go out on stage. I'm uh, talking have the guy throw it there. Here's dress what happened. Rehearsal. So here, here is exactly what happened. Uh, he says, let me see. Did I write this down? No, uh, probably not. Because I didn't really want to. I'm going off script again. I didn't really want to talk about it. So basically what he says happened is that when he hit the door with the state, they threw that ball. I saw them video of it. There's video of him throwing that ball at that window over and over and over <laughs> again. Okay. And it was the same window that they threw it at like six or seven times or whatever it was. Okay. He says when they hit the thing with the sledgehammer, it cracked the bottom of the glass and caused the glass to have a fine crack in it. So when they threw the ball at the window, For it broke both windows. Exactly, <laughs> because he didn't hit the rear door right. or the rear, not the rear door, but the, the rear, rear window, the rear, rear window below that. He didn't hit that with a sledgehammer. So I kind of call BS on that. But um, they they did. It does look like there was extensive testing done with throwing that stupid. Oh, ball I'm in. sure there was. But again, dress rehearsal. I think they did. That's the point is they did. They I don't did it, it. And it it's just bad luck. You know, it's just <laughs> something. I don't know what happened, but it just seems to be um, bad luck. So this thing is a uh, um, unibody, right? Right. So, and the way that they had to do this, um, so they said the Musk says, I'll just read what he says. Okay. The reason Cybertruck is so planar, which means it's just flat, angular, angular, yeah, there's planar, no, there's no curves, it's all just right. angles, is that you can't stamp ultra hard 30 times cold rolled steel because it breaks the stamping press. Even bending it requires a deep score on the inside of the bend, which is how the prototype was made. We're creating this alloy at Tesla. Not a problem to create a lot of it, but we will need to come up with a new body manufacturing methods as it can't be made using standard methods. So that just tells me they don't have a way to make this truck yet. Why did they use this crazy alloy stainless steel it then? It is extremely strong. So it's Why? Yeah, but why? Because that's what it's the, it's the same stuff that they're making the rocket out of. The, the spaceship that they're making, it's the same material. It's all marketing. It's all part of the deal. And if you think about it, it's probably actually a pretty cheap way to do it because it's kind of like origami. Right. You have this big flat piece of steel that was rolled out. You score it, and you fold it up, and you put it on. So in terms of manufacturing process, it's probably pretty cheap. It's one of the reasons why the thing's probably thirty nine grand because that's how much True. it is. So, I mean, in that way, that's kind of cool. So I, I couldn't figure out, I'm like, well, what's the difference between cold rolled steel and hot rolled steel? Sure. Just going to read through this quick so everybody knows why this cold rolled steel is pretty cool. Hot rolling is a mill process which involves rolling the steel at a high temperature, 1,700 degrees or more, which is above the steel's recrystallization temperature. When the steel is above the recrystallization temperature, it can be shaped and formed easily, and the steel can be made in much larger sizes. Hot rolled steel is typically cheaper than cold rolled due to the fact that it is often manufactured without any delays in the process, and therefore the reheating of the steel is not required. When the steel cools off, it will shrink slightly, thus giving less control over the size and shape of the finished product when compared to cold rolled. So not as strong, less control over the outcome, just generally not as good. Mm -hmm. Cold rolled steel is essentially hot rolled steel that has had further processing. The steel is processed further in cold reduction mills where the material is cooled at room temperature, followed by annealing and or tempers rolling. This is basically rolling it through like 
way to just kind of think of what a blacksmith does when they make like a Damascus knife. Sure. Right. Yeah. You keep basically pounding it. Yeah. You're folding it over and I'll, I don't think they're folding it over. But no, they're, they're not folding it, but they're basically pressing it after it's cold as opposed to when it's red And then heating it again and pressing yeah. it again. So it, he did 30 times cold rose, meaning this process was done 30 times. Okay. This process will produce steel with closer dimensional tolerances and a wider range of surface finishes. The term cold rolled is mistakenly used on all products when actually the product name refers to the rolling of flat rolled sheet and coil products. All cold products provide a superior surface finish and are superior in tolerance, concentricity, and straightness when compared to hot rolled. So it's very strong, mm-hmm. and I think this is a way to, for them to get the price down when you look at the shape of it. Okay. You disagree? No, that that may you just be. Had these, you had these weird-looking eyes. That may be, but why not just use a standard production method with standard materials? We're going to talk about that. I have, okay. I, I have a reason that I think he did it this way. So it's kind of cool the thing's origami. You just fold it up and put it on the put it together. So you have the unibody design. You fold the thing <laughs> just up, like snap that. it together, just like that. I'll, I'll, although he does basically admit that they have no way to do this right now. Right. Um, so the doors, for example, are three millimeters thick. Okay. Which is quite a bit thicker than you would think of like a door skin on a car. Right. I yeah, mean, that's it is. very thick. Three mil doesn't sound like a lot, but it makes the doors weigh 60 pounds a piece. Wow. Very heavy doors. Adding one millimeter of thickness would add another 20 pounds of weight per door. So the big problem I have with this thing is the interior. It seems like a place where you would maybe have some coffee and some donut holes. It doesn't seem like a place where you're doing a bunch of work. Right, it doesn't seem like a work environment. <laughs> yeah, at it's all. very so. Tesla's my uh, I, there's a colleague at work that has a Model S, and it's all the white leather interior. Oh, Is that God. what you're talking about? Where it's just like it's it's just too it's too nice. It's not utilitarian enough. Right. I mean, the car it's just too futuristic to ever be seen as something that can be used for work. Yeah, it just is not a work truck, which further puts it away from ever trying to compete with the F one fifty. I don't know if it's because he thinks he can't. Maybe. You know, he thinks there's no way for him to keep up with Rivian and Ford and everything like that. If you had this, because this truck could have potentially been just the most bare bones, functional work truck. It would have dominated the market, but here's what it would not have done. Okay. 200,000 people have ordered this. 200,000. Wow. Have put $100 in. Yep. Okay. That is a huge influx of cash flow. Now, the $100 is refundable, and who knows who's going to actually follow through. Right. I know maybe 20%. No. Who but knows? That's, they just it's a massive raised amount. that much capital. This is with no advertising yep. and no paid endorsement. Why, Jake, did this many people do it? Okay, so I want to kind of back away from the Tesla truck a little bit and talk about car design. When when you go to the auto show and you walk up to the new whatever it is, it's Mm -hmm. going to be the 2025, you know, Chevy What's It. What do you see? The same design. Yes, but you also see a concept car. Oh. And what is one thing that we always say when we see a concept car? It's never going to look like that. Wow, that looks really cool. It's never going to look like that. Okay. And then this other thing comes out and it looks... Nothing like the concept. Yeah. Okay, so that's a problem. And uh, what do we learn about, uh, what do we lament about car design today? Everything looks the same. There is no risk. There's no risk involved with any car design today. Everybody is scared. They're just, they have this huge fear. Okay, if you look back at the cars we love in the 60s and 70s, -hmm. what makes them special is that they are all different. Yeah. They all look different. And I think that everybody... 
I think that people looked at that truck and went, whoa, that is really ugly. And it is. It is not an attractive design. But what they didn't do is go, wow, somebody's doing something different. Yeah. And I think that Tesla and Elon Musk should be applauded for stepping out of the ring and doing something different, even if we don't like it. Because hmm. I don't, because I think it's ugly. And I think that in the end... It's going to shake things up at the other car designers because everybody's been doing the status quo thing for decades. No one pushes the envelope. Nobody designs anything unique. And then you end up with crystal shift knobs and stupid grills on BMWs. <laughs> no, You're and right. then you, you end up with giant. Everybody's got giant front grills on their trucks. Everybody's what? The, what's the coolest thing about a truck right now is how the tailgate opens. Different yeah. ways to make the tailgate open. True. Pathetic. All right, it's devil's advocate. If it's just about being different and something totally out of left field, why didn't the Pontiac Aztec make it? There is a because it was good parallel. Because guess what? It's also very angular and was very different and unique. It wasn't different and unique enough. Okay. I don't think. I don't think there was enough to really set it apart. When you look at the Tesla truck, you're also dealing with a company that is seen as revolutionary. When you look True. at Pontiac. Nobody's going, oh, my God, Mr. Pontiac. Nobody cares. It's right. a Pontiac. They made the Grand Am. Nobody's lauding that as anything special or as a, or as a barometer for what's coming in the future. When you look at uh, um, Elon mm -hmm. releasing a car that looks like it should be from Blade Runner on the day that Blade Runner said existed, it just has a different feel. And we've talked about it a million times that Elon is uh, a profit for people. Right. I mean, people are a little overboard with what they think of the guy. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it, they're, they're, they're buying the religion of Elon and the ideas <laughs> of Elon. Look what he's doing with SpaceX and everything else. And I'm not becoming like a huge Tesla supporter. I don't I don't no, know. But you, you are giving your you're lending credence and applauding him for being different. When was the last time this type of competition existed? When what, was the last what time competition? Look at you don't think that the big three are sitting in their conference room right now going, oh, shit, look at that. Two hundred thousand people just put money down for this truck. There's nothing. There is nothing that Ford or GM or Chrysler could do tomorrow that would get two hundred thousand people to do anything. Here's nothing. OK, but here's the thing. The electric F-150 that's going to be coming out will still make vastly more money than Elon's Cybertruck. Is that what it's about? For Elon, do you think that's making what money? companies? <laughs> but that's not what it's about for him. That's what that's the that's the trap that you're falling into. For him, it's he's got money, right? Yeah, he yeah. just the only purpose for his company, and you you listen to him talk, you you see his speeches. The only purpose of his company is to shape the future and what's going to happen. Drive change. It's to drive change for what he thinks the direction of human civilization can go and where it should be. That's why he wants to go to Mars. Not to make money because he thinks that human beings are perpetual explorers that need to go and continue to explore and be space-born people, basically. And that's a wild concept, right? It's wild. It's science fiction. But it's cool to see somebody doing it. It's what what were we doing in the 60s when we were going to the moon? If you look at what Kennedy right. was saying, we do it because it is hard. That is why we do it. And that entire human mentality of doing things just because they're hard, just because we can, has disappeared in the last 30 years. You know what's an interesting parallel that I just thought of is during that space race time, look at the car design. 
it reflected that the whole jet age and that space race time. And it was the earlier, I mean, it was the late fifties, I guess was more the space age where you had the big fins and things had like fake rocket boosters coming out of them. The but design was inspired by exactly. something. What is design inspired by now? Regulation. That's about it. <laughs> you have to have your bumpers this high. You have to be able to do this crash standard. You have to do this. You have to do that. So the Tesla Cybertruck is a hideous, steaming, ugly truck. I do not like the way it looks, but I like everything that it stands for. I love the fuck you that it is to the big three. I love it. I love that it's pushing the envelope and creating waves that are hopefully going to, if we can make a little bit of change with the big three and get somebody to take a risk and design again, mm -hmm. I'm for it. If anything pushes that, I'm in. So that's Chris's take. All right. My take of it, which I have not prepared, is that the big three don't care. This didn't make them look twice. Are you kidding? This is just a big promotional stunt by Mr. Musk, and it doesn't matter. Like I said, the electric F-150 will sell so much better than this, and I don't think if that truck was on the market, you would see all however many people put their deposit down, purchase it. I don't think so either. I don't think you're going to see 200,000 of these no, driving around. I think these are going to be super rare, like the first uh, like Tesla Roadster. You might see one every once in a while but it's just some weird thing. Tell me that if there was one around that you wouldn't want to go see it. Yeah, I would. You would want to go see it. Oh, yeah. You would want to check it out and look at it. Yes, I would. What car from GM do you want to do that with right now, just off the top of your head right now? New Corvette. Okay, so you want to go see the new... Which would you rather see? The truck. Why? Because it's so much more different. Because it's more different. Or is it because it's more interesting? Or is it because it's breaking the mold? There's actually something to, to see and experience and... There's something new there. As new as the mid-engine Corvette is, it's still not new. It's right. how many mid-engine cars have we seen? How many Corvettes have we seen? Right. It's interesting. It's cool. It's a sixty thousand dollar car that does a gajillion miles an hour. It's cool. You know, it's got a great motor, but it doesn't move me. I'm just skeptical that this is going to amount to much in the real world. We shall see. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what everybody said about the Tesla Model S and the, everything else that he's done. And I think True. that you've seen a pretty big movement with 200,000 people buying it without a single commercial on television. They didn't need some guy covered in concrete dust dumping bricks into the back of the truck to sell the truck. All he had to do was, well, all he had to do was roll it out. He had to roll it out and go, oh, fuck, this window broke. And he, <laughs> and, and swear on, on his little live stream thing and have a complete, I mean, it was a complete shit show. It was terrible. It was terrible. As but, far as, yeah, actual hey, reveals go. They still sold. Or they still have deposits down on two hundred thousand. Yeah, wild, absolutely wild. That All is. right, let's uh, let's talk about Patreon a little bit. What okay, do you, what do you got? Patreon.com/slash. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me just say this. What? There's been a couple people that are like, oh, how do I do Patreon? It's too hard. It's ridiculously can I, easy. Can I tell you? Step one. Step one. Go to Patreon.com/slash Overcrest. Step two. Hit the button that says become a Patreon. Step three. Profit. Profit. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, you just you can support the show. It's very easy. Yep. You get you exclusive, get exclusive content. content. We just recorded our episode for December for Patreon members only. Yeah, it's one and of I my favorites. And I put in a lot done. of work into these stories. And they're usually the history. Well, they almost are. They're always the history story. Yeah. So a couple like of those, them have been like some exclusive reads from work you've done. Yeah, yeah. In the past. Yep. But yeah, usually if you like kind of the obscure automotive history, that's what this last one was, and many of them are. And they're really good really well researched and it's five dollars which is 
two gallons of gas that you're going to waste and never remember. For $5, you can make some memorable experiences. There you go. Appreciate it. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash overcrust. And this one has cats. (laughs) 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 All right. So let's talk about a little more news. We have a story from Iowa, apparently. That's right. So I'm just going to go ahead here and play the audio from this story. An Iowa man is accused of driving while smoking marijuana and also watching <laughs> South Park. A Johnson County Sheriff's deputy says they spotted the 18-year-old watching a video on his smartphone while driving. After pulling him over, they say they smelled marijuana. According to officers, the teen admitted to recently smoking pot, and according to CBS affiliate KCCI, he willingly handed over a bag of marijuana, a pipe, and a grinder. <laughs> he says, okay, so that is the best part of this story. So you get caught, and he's like, yeah, sorry, I was smoking. We're here. So, so do you think he was at home watching South Park and he just wanted to make a nice little trip to go get some uh, he Doritos? He probably had and, the munchies. And then he just and couldn't he's like, tear himself away from the I South Park. I can still watch this while I drive. <laughs> and for some reason, I have my whole bag of pot with me, too. <laughs> well, you never know when you're yeah. going to get stranded. The weather, you know, you True. could get... You got to have a full gas tank and a full bag of weed. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all it takes. All right, so the Mustang Mach-E is finally out. And you know what's Yay. you know what's weird is how boring does this seem to talk about in terms of they so a lot of product strategy is launch timing and they did not do this right. No, because they just got stomped by the truck, yes. the cyber truck. Um so it doesn't look too bad. What? I don't th- I don't think it looks too bad. It doesn't bother <sighs> me. It doesn't bother me. I don't like that it looks like a Mustang. Right. But if I here's what's wrong. If I delete the fact that it's supposed to be a Mustang from my head, if you just it called it the Ford crossover E, that would work. The thing is, is that people forget, and I don't know if Ford forgot or whatever, but words mean things. Titles <laughs> mean things. When you call somebody something, it means something. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to just start calling a random dude on the street Jake just because I like Jake. You know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. hey, Jake, they got to be like, what? <laughs> you can't just start calling things whatever you want to call them. It just doesn't work that It'll way. It would be great if the stranger um, turned around and he goes, so yeah, here's the <laughs> so here's the worst thing about this is what it sounds like. So this clip kind of sucks, but you can get an idea of what the Mach-E sounds like. Curious, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> you can hear it the whole way. All right. So is that supposed to be like a rumble? It's like this rumble V8 sound that gets pumped through the speakers. That's it, terrible. It's terrible. It's like they're like, oh, well, we're going to make this electric thing. But it's almost as if they're going to dupe people into buying it. And they don't want them to know that they bought an electric SUV or something. <laughs> I don't understand. Is, is it like a feel-good thing that they just want to kind of butter people up? I, they're just they're wholeheartedly using the whole Mustang branding, I guess, Ford, which I don't get. Ford worked with a team of sound engineers to create a score. That's so what that's we're what we're it. calling these. We're calling it the engine or the car's score, which I just don't no, like. No, it's a score to a that's, movie It suggested play. power and performance while still conveying the electric futuristic image that the company is going for. As you can see towards into that video um, posted by Electric, Electrek, the Mach-E and okay, so there's there's three modes here. Okay. There's unbridled, oh god, whisper, and engaged. <laughs> unbridled, unbridled, um, and it's in quotes here. The mode mixes in a quote starship accelerating whir with a subtle but grumbly background thrum. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why we need to do this. 
Why, why are we trying to vacillate between two different things? Just make it what it is, not what it's not. Can you read the worst part of this? The most powerful model, the Mach-E GT Performance, produces 459 horsepower, 612 feet of blah, blah, blah. blah. They're fast. Right. Everything's fast. We talked about that a little earlier. Right. So that doesn't um, matter. Uh, so it's going to be getting a Shelby badge at some no! point. No! <laughs> Why? Why ruin everything that's good? Uh, of course, I feel the same way. But I have to think, what would Carol Shelby say? What would he say if he if he was like if they were like, hey, we're going to make this thing have 600 horsepower and go zero to 60 in three seconds. If Do you think you, he would go, well, this thing doesn't have take his cowboy hat out. This thing doesn't have an internal combustion engine. I think he would go. Yeah, let's do it. It's fast. Let's if look. He knew of no other cars in the market and didn't know the, any of the history. If you just took him out of his grave, reanimated him and put him in this thing and you could feel the acceleration, he would think it's cool. But he would still say, okay, well, let's take all this technology and maybe put it in a Mustang or something small and nimble that can actually so handle. Shelby is, we absolutely put him on a pedestal and we all worship at the altar of Shelby, but the altar itself usually has a different perspective. He doesn't think of the Shelby brand maybe the way that you think of it. I think that he would think of the brand as something that's continue. If he was younger, mm -hmm. I think he would see it as something that's continually in development to push the envelope and go faster regardless right. of what the case was so why would you put that in a crossover i don't know yeah i don't know, no, I, I know. i'm just trying to devil's advocate that a little bit you know i don't think shelby would be anywhere near as upset as we are but they're I gonna have a track edition too which i just <laughs> i don't know for all the soccer moms taking their crossover on the track right so bmw is coming out with a car yeah and uh we're gonna skip that they're coming out with a <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be the i4 and it's going to be a direct competitor to Tesla Model 3. And the most interesting thing about this, it's, you know, 500 horsepower, 370 uh -huh. miles of range. Uh -huh. um, but the, the best part about it is, is BMW is finally coming to market with something that's not a lunchbox. So, yeah, you mean like the i3? The i3 or the i8, you know, that's so, all they've had in the market so far. I know. This is said to be the first of 25 new electrified vehicles going to be made available before 2023 from BMW. 2023. Gosh, this is happening fast in four years they're gonna have 25 new electrified vehicles three years wow yeah yeah three years all right so this story is really really interesting and <laughs> yes i'm gonna read a little bit of this and this story was by aaron gordon from jalopnik okay um and i read through this whole thing it's really long it's linked in the show notes i encourage you to go read the whole thing it's a really interesting read i just have a couple clips here so basically um this is they wanted to simulate find a way to simulate what people's behavior would be like in a world with autonomous cars. Right. So if everyone has a self-driving car, what is it going to be like? So a few years ago, Mustafa Harb, Mustafa, isn't that the lion from Lion King? That's Mufasa, not oh. Mustafa. Okay. Well, I knew a Mustafa. It's a, it's a Turkish or... Okay. Well, it's not Mufasa. Middle, so that's good. Yeah. He realized there was a problem in his field of research about how autonomous cars will change the way people travel. The solution to the problem he settled on was, in, was as simple as it was revealing. One did not have to look far for studies and articles suggesting fleets of self-driving cars could, for example, reduce traffic. And that's everywhere. That's ubiquitous. That's the holy grail, right? Right. You say, well, if these things all talk to each other and they can all kind of move into line together, it's gonna, there's going to be no traffic jams. It's just going to be absolute utopia. It's going right. to be the best place in the world. You're never going to get run over by anything. And pollution is going to go way down. 
So these articles claim the same highways we, we use today could, with slight modifications, accommodate many more autonomous vehicles than they do human-driven cars. And if you listen to what we heard on Friday with Tom Fisher, he talks about how um, roads would change. You Maybe you'd have concrete going down the roads, just like two little paths for the tires to go on. Sure. Because they don't need the, all of that. Right. They don't need that full space. lanes. They don't need full lanes. Um, AVs could, using more precise control systems, follow one another at a much closer distance. So basically every... Autonomous cars, a tailgating jerk. <laughs> Similarly, lanes could be narrowed, accommodating perhaps six lanes where there are only five today. Sure. Using 13 volunteers, admittedly, a very small sample size due to budgetary constraints. Okay. I'd love to see this on a big scale to see how people really react to this. Right. So this is a test they did to test, test yeah. that Basically, it's aforementioned... A Theory. Yeah, that it's everything... a social study right. from the San Francisco Bay Area who own cars. Harb and his team studied their travel patterns using GPS trackers on their cars and phones for a week, then gave them a chauffeur for a week who would drive the participants' personal vehicles for them. So you're basically saying now you have a self-driving vehicle. You do, because you've got a guy that's just going to chauffeur you around everywhere. Wherever you want. He'll go get whatever you want. It's just you can send it somewhere. You can yep. do whatever you want. To what you want to do. So basically, we're talking level five autonomous. Per so the chauffeur is a level five driver. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it. Every level five autonomous car is just a person driving the car. Hey, I think we already have that, Chris. Yeah. Um, so uh, they gave them a chauffeur for a week who would drive the participants' personal vehicles for them. Finally, the researchers observed the subjects for a final week to look for any changes returning to their chaufferless life. So basically, they, they studying them before the chauffeur, during the chauffeur, and after the chauffeur. Okay. What do you think happened? I think at first it'd be very novel, and it'd be like... I don't have, well, I, well, I like to drive, though, so maybe I wouldn't like that. But the normal person would be like, oh, well, I don't mind going to the grocery store right now because I don't have to get out of my pajamas and I can be drunk. You can just send the chauffeur. Oh, I, you could drink more. You wouldn't have to have to worry about driving. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So um, in the end, every single retiree uh, every single retiree used the chauffeur to go to Napa for wine tastings, something they had wanted to do for a long time Wait. but didn't feel comfortable doing themselves. They also used the chauffeur to go places at night or that they could only get via highway. So old people were sending the thing everywhere, going places, <laughs> because they can finally. And I think that's admirable. Yeah. If you can give elderly people freedom again, right, is a really really good thing. But driving the amount of miles put on these cars, okay, went up eighty three percent. So they nearly doubled how much they would use their vehicle. Ride sharing increased traffic by about thirteen. This increased by eighty three percent the amount of driving. That was put on the vehicles. So yeah. this is is it basically becoming like Amazon Prime, where everyone gets two day shipping on paper plates and a cat gym because you can just send them to go do whatever you want. Yeah, I want a Gatorade. Just send your car out or whatever. So here's the here's the yes. only thing. Oh, I hundred percent would do that. It's almost sad, right? Yeah, because you're lowering the barrier of going to do something. What is that movie where all the people are? It's an animated film where all the people are super fat and they're just sitting. Yeah, in like that's Wally. Is it Wally? It's Wally. Are you sure? Yeah, because they're on the spaceship where they're all having like their slurpees on the chairs that yeah, drive yeah, them yeah. around. And eventually they kind of start to, you know, get out of their their stupor. Right. But man. Getting to be like that. Getting to be like that a little bit where nobody can really do anything on their own. So I don't, that's one thing that I really don't like about autonomous cars. And I probably have said it before is it encourages a lack of independence. Yeah, that's I think it, it would. That's the number one thing that I don't like. 
Wow, anyway, that's interesting, that's though, having so an autonomous car. Because you, you could send it places without even having to go anywhere. Yeah, somebody could just run out and throw something in your car. You could go, you do grocery pickup at Lund's Byerly's. Yeah. The grocery store, you just, your car could pick up. They just dump it in the back. Right. Hell, I mean, they do That's what you do anyways anyway. when you, well, even like Target, you can park there and they'll bring your groceries or your stuff out to you. 100%. Why wouldn't you do that with a self-driving car where you can just tell it to go park there? Because then you can just sit there and eat uh, pretzels and watch television. Yeah. Watch, you can binge Netflix and... How about this one? Dad, can Jimmy come over to play? Can you go pick him up? All right. Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that one with my kids. No, I will not pick you up. All right. No, so, but I'm saying you just send the autonomous car then to go pick up, up the little one. That's exactly it. So it's really interesting. 83%. That's really telling. That's going to really put a lot of wear and tear on cars. And it doesn't sound like it's going to decrease car usage at one all. Bit. I don't think that's going to make Los Angeles any better. <laughs> nope. It's, so you're have, you basically have cars on the road almost twice as much as they would be, yeah. basically increasing congestion by twice. Well, not only that, we this doesn't even touch on the phenomenon that if you work in the city, okay, your car's going to drive you to the city, but rather than pay for expensive parking, you'll just have your autonomous car loop around your building all That's day. all it has to do is just drive around. Except everyone's going to do that. And what Tesla, like they said, is you're going to be able to rent your car out. Remember That's that? That's right. Yes. You'll be able to, like, if you're not using your car, you can send it out to pick people up. Yeah. It's like... Right. Uber for go whatever. pay for yourself car. Yeah, exactly. Buster Conrad um, has has basically delivered his news story to us uh, about the Mustang. So we talked about that a little bit earlier. Let's see what Muster 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 Muster, <laughs> Muster Conrad had to say about the Mustang Mach E. Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm in Dearborn, Michigan, talking with Ford design executive Richard Gelding about the fascinating new direction Ford is taking with the Mustang Mach-E. The automotive news world has been absolutely abuzz with discussion, speculation, and opinions about this car, and I've gone right to the horse's mouth for the real story behind this change in direction at Ford. Richard, can you tell our listeners more about the Mach-E and why you feel this is the right branding direction to go at Ford? Sure. It seems like the most common question being asked right now is why even call the Mach-E a Mustang? The people asking this question might not quite understand the history of the Mustang. We feel this is a move to realign with the Mustang's roots. When first introduced in 1964, say. the Mustang was intended as a sporty personal car that would appeal primarily to women. It was described as a secretary car. Ford has had its finger on the pulse of its customer base for a very long time. The late 60s demanded larger personal luxury cars. We made a four-door Ford Thunderbird. The 70s demanded a more fuel-efficient performance car. We made the Mustang II. The 80s demanded an import-style sporty car. We introduced the Probe, based on the Mazda MX-6, almost branded as a Mustang. The 90s <laughs> demanded small SUVs, and we gave our customers the Explorer. Now, there's a demand for Tesla-type do-everything electric vehicles, and as always, we're ready to give the customers what they want. That seems very astute, Richard. How do you think the car buying public will respond to the Mach-E versus the mixed reactions in the car enthusiast world? We expect the reaction in the showroom to be overwhelmingly positive. We've added <laughs> lots of logical weight to a formerly primarily emotional decision. It's much easier to market a midlife crisis vehicle if you don't have to wait for midlife. You can sell your wife on buying a Mustang now with the practicality alone, instead of justifying a two-door car with a tiny back seat. You can share the thrill of a Cars and Coffee power slide exit with your wife, kids, and the dog. Being an electric car, you're making this purchase to save the and planet no one will for see your it kids, coming, too. Or hear it. The Mach-E practically sells itself. 
The side effect of reminding car enthusiasts that they care strongly about the Mustang brand at least once a decade by threatening the status quo is just icing on the money cake we're baking. <laughs> this seems like a winning strategy, Richard. Do you have any plans to branch out further with it? Of course. The number 350 is significant in the Mustang's history, notably through the Shelby performance models. We plan on expanding the Mustang family further, creating the Mustang 350. This will be a performance-tuned electric F-350 dually truck fitted with a lift kit and 26-inch wheels with 40-series tires. Carolina squat package optional. We didn't build up 55 years of street cred with the Mustang not to cash in on it at some point. What's your favorite feature of the Mach-E? My favorite feature of the Mach-E is from one of our cross-promotions. We have a Starbucks special edition with an exclusive paint color called Caramel Mach-E Otto with a pumpkin spice orange leather interior. There's a caffeine button on the steering wheel that sends 20% more power to the motors in short bursts, allowing you to win any parking spot showdown you come across. That sounds absolutely stimulating. I'm looking forward to it. Our <laughs> listeners and I have learned quite a lot about the new direction you've sent the Mustang in. Thanks, Dick. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> My question is, does it get a headache or get hung over from having too much caffeine? Can you just, you drive it a little too hard and then it just gets sluggish and slow and kind of in the afternoon, it just doesn't operate very well. You know what's sad is with Ford's past like cross branding, I could see that happening. <laughs> they had the Eddie Bauer edition. They had all these other weird additions to their vehicles. Why not the, the curing edition or the macchiato? <laughs> Anyways, thank all you, right, Buster. All right, so. Jake, mm -hmm. what's the worst getaway car brand that you can think of? If you had a, if you were getting away and you <laughs> a had to, and you had a carjack, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. What else, what else do you think? What else do you not want to see you at the bank when you run out the doors and you're going to steal something and you got to get away? What do you, what do you not want? I like a Prius. No, I think that would probably be better than this one. <laughs> I suppose that would kind of blend in, wouldn't it? Yeah. So the two people are in custody after a stolen vehicle investigation triggers a police pursuit in Salt Lake County Sunday morning. Brock and Brittany, 33 and 23. <laughs> oh, I bet that's cute, isn't it? That is. I'm Brock and Brittany. Yeah. It'd be a great Christmas card. Merry Christmas from Brock and Brittany mm -hmm. from jail. <laughs> They're booked into jail on several charges following a pursuit that began when wherever. Continued into wherever and made its way back to wherever, where it ended on... Wherever Street. <laughs> unified Police Sergeant Melody Gray said a unified officer was out on patrol when he spotted a BMW. That unified was, or uniformed? Said a unified officer. That's probably supposed to be uniformed. I'm thinking that's an autocorrect situation right there. <laughs> I wonder what a unified officer is all about. Know. He's got all his intersectionality stuff dialed in. Um, the car was possibly stolen. The officer flipped around to verify the license plate as the BMW, BMW turned onto Redwood Road, came to a stop in the road, and picked up a man, later identified as Hanson. Brock. Is it Brock? Yeah, Brock. Um, the <laughs> officer continued to follow the car, received confirmation that was the one stolen, and requested him for, uh, other officers to help make the stop. Okay. So you said BMW. That doesn't sound bad. No, no. We, in fact, they had a series of videos called, or the, the video called The Getaway. Yeah, with, it could uh, be a great Clyde getaway Owen. car. Yeah, no problem. So what is it? Um, police say it said the driver of the BMW, now identified as Price, drove over their stop sticks. Made a U-turn and headed westbound on 3300 South, all with a deflated tire. Right. Eventually, the BMW pulled into a gas station on the corner of 4700 South and 2700 West. There was a Jaguar 
Pack parked at the station, and the driver had just gotten out to get gas. Uh-oh. Police said Hansen got into the Jaguar and took off. All this time, officers in Taylorsville and the West Valley had converged onto the scene to assist. Now both vehicles, the BMW occupied by Price and the Jaguar occupied by Hansen, headed westbound. Why didn't you just get what? out and get in the other car? What are you so doing now? He's got a flat tire. They, oh, my they goodness. Had, they, <laughs> these guys are so stupid. Oh, uh, They probably had their full bag of weed with them as well. Yeah. Police and Price got out of the BMW and tried to get in the Jaguar. Uh, oh, sorry. Now, both vehicles, the BMW uh, occupied Price and the Jaguar mm. occupied Hanson, headed to westbound. Police said Price got out of the BMW and tried to get into the Jaguar, but she was taken into custody. Mm-hmm. Hanson took off again, so they pr- pulled over on the side. Yeah, of the they're like, like, oh, wait, why don't you get in here now? They called them. Hey, what are you doing? And, yeah, so they decided they needed to be in the same car, which is right. a decision that you probably could have made at the gas station. So... Officer followed the Jaguar through Taylorsville and West Jordan at relatively low speeds before the vehicles <laughs> stopped on the highway and Hansen surrendered to police. Wait, can I make a guess here? Yeah. The guy was at the gas station filling up fuel. What we learned from the owner of that of that Jaguar is that he's been having some issues with that Jaguar and <laughs> believes that the Jaguar wasn't going to go anywhere anymore and was bogging down. So may have picked the wrong vehicle to try and run from the police in okay, so it was the thing broke down. Issue. Yeah, it broke down on him. Gotcha. So he bailed out of the car with the flat tires into a Jaguar, and it broke down <laughs> predictably. So that's pretty funny. Do we want to do one more story here, Chris? Yeah, I want to do this story. This is fun. Okay, so this is the weirdest, funniest, most disgusting thing I've read in a while. <laughs> okay, this comes from Automobile Magazine, by the way. So, Chris, you're familiar with these car sharing services? Not car, you know, ride sharing. It's the actual car sharing. Yeah, like what is it? Cars, is it Turo or whatever? Yep. No, Turo is where yeah you like rent the car in line. These is talking about the ones where you see like the little smart cars oh, downtown yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. I yeah. suppose Turo is it's like. It's like a concept. scooter. It's like a scooter thing where you go get the scooter and ride around. But with it's the, the car. car. Yeah. Okay. I think this includes Turo as well. Where you can personally put your car up for rent. So these car sharing communities in Japan have noticed odd things when looking at their data. I think it's important to note that this is Japan. Right. So, we- well, it starts in Japan. This is where they discovered this. Okay. So car sharing services in Japan noticed something odd when looking at their data. They noticed increasingly common trend. Many of their customers returned cars with zero miles driven. So you okay. rent a car and it doesn't get driven. Okay, so, so that's all they can see. That's all they can see from the data. So why are these cars being rented in the first place if they're not being driven? Well, quote, I rented a car to eat a boxed meal because I couldn't find anywhere else to eat lunch, <laughs> said one of the customers who responded to a survey. Another renter said that usually the only place I can take a nap while visiting my clients is a cyber cafe in front of the station. But renting a car to sleep in is almost the same as staying in the cyber cafe. The typical charge for a half hour rental is less than $4. Another Japanese vehicle sharing service surveyed 400 of its customers to find that one in eight people are renting these cars for something other than actually driving in. Okay. The vast majority of, quote, drive nowhere renters, which I love (laughs) that term, they use their cars to sleep or rest, but people have also rented vehicles to use as private phone booths, to practice singing, to put on Halloween costumes, and even simply to store their shopping bags temporarily. I think this is actually ingenious. It is ingenious. It's basically a little going, vault. Yeah, it is. Can you imagine going shopping and now you have these bags and you're like, well, 
we're walking that way. I can just rent this car right here, stick them in there and lock it's it. It's like the lockers at the mall. Yes, that's what this is. <laughs> so, Except you can climb in it and do all kinds of weird shit while you're in there. So the author of this piece, Arthur Antone, asked Val Yiwad, a senior software engineer from San Francisco, if he'd ever heard of this phenomenon. Quote, I don't usually talk about this, but yeah, sometimes I rent a car and don't actually drive it. When asked why he rents a car to go nowhere, he finally lowered his voice and said one word, toenails. Oh, my skin just crawled. Just Val leaned in closer to explain. Quote, see, I got what you might call wood chips on my feet. Oh, my God. Keeping those bastards trimmed is like trying to sculpt a Michelangelo with a butter knife. Oh, my God. Why don't you go somewhere for a pedicure? The author asked. Tried that once. As soon as I took off my socks, the little salon girl started to cry. <laughs> oh, no. When I asked when he simply didn't trim his nails at home, Val rolled his eyes. Quote, my wife caught me doing it once, he said between sips of beer. I was hiding out in her rose garden using her pruning shears. I'm mortified right now. I can't do it in the house because the damn clippings fly off everywhere. Oh, Jesus Once Christ. my wife found one inside her new issue of eating well. <laughs> so I started renting the cars. I asked Val how it worked out. Quote, are you kidding? It's great. I can rent a minivan for half an hour and really get in there and dig. Okay, so this is not a satire story. No, this, this is 100% serious from Jesus. Automobile Magazine. Quote, there's plenty of room to wrestle around. No one sees a thing, and I do zero cleanup. Usually, I pay for a full hour, though. After I'm done, it takes another 30 <laughs> minutes or so for me to catch my breath. <laughs> Hold on. My most the How most, heavy is that angle grinder that oh he has to my use? Gosh. No, the most just disgusting part of this is he doesn't do any cleanup after he's he done. He just leaves it all there. What a disgusting human being. The story goes on to interview a lobbyist in DC who rents parked cars as temporary offices. When asked if she ever used a rental car the way it was intended, she made a funny face. You mean drive it? No way. DC is tough town. You've got to be constantly on the move if you want to keep up. That's why none of us ever go anywhere. This must be why WeWork stock is or their valuation is going down because everybody's just renting cars to work no in instead. No kidding. So this really gets to more of the congestion of a city than anything else. But it's definitely interesting. This whole concept of being able to rent a car to use just as like a personal private space. I'm just mortified. Yes, I could imagine myself being really drunk with my bride and being out and being like, there's a minivan right, right there. Yeah. I mean, that sounds I like a legit. I thought that's where the story was going to go. But the toenail story is much, much, much worse. Much, much worse. All right. Well, that's all we have time for. On We're out of time. note, take be care, guys. sure to take care of your toenails. Oh, God. So what's coming up this uh, this week? What do we got going on at the end of the week? Next, next Friday. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in the podcast next week. It could be uh, it could be an interview I did. It could be a history story. We got story. a couple interviews that are uh, yeah. in the hopper, so yeah. might release one of those. We'll see how things go. Please head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Support the show. Leave us a five-star iTunes review. On that note, you know, guys, trim your toenails. <laughs> not in your car. Hey, you know what? It's not in of, anyone else's car either. Not even in your own car. Because if you're doing any... Like, Eating your fingernails. Chris just and leaned in real close. 
imagine being a shop owner and having to crawl around on the floor of someone's car oh. that how about being a friend that has to just sit in that car afterward take care guys we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs> We'll be